Hello everyone and welcome to this edition of the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I am Steve Johnson and it is good to be with you today. This is the latest that I have ever done a podcast. It is 3.45 a.m. where I am at and I'm just now getting to this. But um, I trust that None of you are going to be listening at that hour, most likely. So hopefully uh, you'll get this at a much better time than I am recording it. And hopefully you won't be able to tell how late I was doing this by how tired I might sound. Right now I feel okay, but we'll see by the time I'm done how okay I still feel. Um... I wanted to start off with a quote that I found uh, from Rush Limbaugh. It was actually in my Facebook memories from years and years ago, but it just popped up in my Facebook memories today. And so I wanted to just start off. It's not really related to anything else. I just really like this, and so I just wanted to share it with you, kind of like I was doing recently with the, uh, the guidepost articles. Except this is just one quote, and of course, Rush Limbaugh is like one of my favorite all-time people in general. And definitely, when it comes to radio, there's like, I can't think of hardly anybody better. I've become a really big Steve Dace fan this year. Um, Really, since uh, late January, I would say. Maybe a little bit later, maybe into February, but definitely late January. However, um, this is just, uh, Rush Limbaugh is uh, one of my favorites. And so he had this quote, and it says this. It says, The best way to convince anybody of anything is to believe in it yourself, and to be able to explain it, and be passionate about it. Confidence will make you a leader. Confidence will make you persuasive. And confidence will create admiration for you. It will also make people jealous of you. It creates all kinds of reactions in people. And so I hope that when I share anything at all, that I sound confident about it. I try to approach every topic that I discuss or write about with uh, some prior knowledge. I don't... I try not to talk about anything that I don't know anything about. Um, even if I just know a little bit and then I try to supplement a, the little bit of what I know with a lot of other material and background information, I still I like to know a little bit about what I'm talking about enough to be confident about it and now I'm not just talking out of my rear end and, and hoping I'm right. I try to know something about what I'm talking about and I hope I convey that when I speak and when I write both. So, um, I was going to try to do some of uh, scripture stuff today, but I wanted to um, start off with some other things that I've seen just as I've been perusing the internet throughout the day today and getting into some discussions with people. I saw this thing written by George Thomas from CBN News. And the headline is, uh, Spiritual Pandemic of Hope Grips Iran, as thousands accept Jesus Christ Christ amidst COVID-19. And according to this, he talks about the the stuff that Iran is facing right now, like a a wave of internal turmoil and uh, covert attacks that have been undermining the... uh, the radical regime's nefarious plans there. Um, But even as the violence escalates, there's been hope that has been arising among the Iranian citizens. And that hope is because a lot of them have been finding salvation through Jesus Christ. And uh, Galaxy, get down. Galaxy, my cat, is up on my computer. (laughs) She always does this right when I'm recording. Has to... Be the center of attention all the time, don't you, kitty? But um, whether it's the exploding coronavirus, which, you know, the the deaths haven't been exploding, but the positive cases have been, and, of course, the goalposts keep moving on that. Uh, 
first it was, hey, let's flatten the curve to, uh, you know, to keep make sure the hospitals aren't overrun. And now it's, oh my gosh, we can't let anybody get it. We, if we have any positive tests, it's the end of the freaking world. Uh, so it's interesting how the goalposts keep moving on that. But whether it's the exploding coronavirus as the positive cases continue to rise even in Iran, or whether it's the mysterious fires at uh, nuclear and military fa at facilities and protests there. The uh, ruling Islamic clerics in Iran are facing unprecedented challenges as the regime there tries to maintain an iron grip on the nation that they really had for decades now, going all the way back to the overthrow of the Shah in the uh, late 70s, early 80s. And so in the latest military incident there in Iran, uh, Israel struck an Iranian-backed weapons facility and uh, military positions. That happened in uh, Syria today. And, um, and these were Iranian-backed uh, facilities in Syria. And the missile strike, which was uh, south of Damascus, it killed five Iranian fighters and injured about a dozen others, according to reports. Uh, this past Monday, the government there in, in Iran executed a man it convicted of spying for our CIA and for Israeli intelligence, the Mossad. Um, the guy's name, and I'm probably going to butcher this, is Mahmoud Musavi Maid. I'm probably, again, really mispronouncing that, but don't worry because there's not going to be a test on it later. Or anything like that. But, um, this guy, Ma Mahmoud, we'll stick with Mahmoud. Mahmoud received that sentence for allegedly passing information to the CIA about the whereabouts of General Qasim Soleimani. And you remember that back in, at the end of last year when he was killed in a strike, a uh, U.S. drone strike. I guess it was earlier this year. It was either toward the end of December or the beginning of January, I don't, I'm not sure which. I think it was toward um, the early part of this year, at least according to this article. Um, um, the execution follows a string of mysterious fires and explosions around the country. On Sunday, fires broke out at a military installation near Tehran a shipyard in Bushir, and a key power plant connected to Iran's Natanz nuclear facility in, Iz in Isfahan. And similar incidents have happened across Iran since June. So these things are just sort of randomly happening, but it's not a coincidence. It's not, you know, just a series of accidents without malicious intent from someone. These kinds of things don't just happen out of the blue. Uh, some people have been pointing to Israel's ongoing, overt, and at times covert war against the Islamic regime. Because Israel is specifically trying to stop the transfer of uh, munitions uh, and weapons to uh, Iran's proxies like Hezbollah. And Israel also wants to slow down the Iranian nuclear program, which I remember people have been warning about that since I was in college. Um, I've been hearing about the dangers of the Iranian nuclear program almost since I've been paying attention to the news. And so Israel's finally trying to put a stop to that which we've been hoping, at least a lot of us have been hoping they would do for a long time. And even President Trump has reportedly given the CIA a green light to launch more um, offensive cyber attacks, you know, like online you know, computer stuff, to cripple or destroy some of Iran's critical infrastructures. So the Iranian threat is finally being taken seriously, which it was not during the Obama years. And all this comes 
against, you know, we got all this stuff going on in Iran. But the point of this article is that this is against the backdrop, you know, against the backdrop of ongoing government protests and a remarkable, it is a remarkable revival that is witnessing thousands of Muslims turning to Christianity in the midst of COVID-19. Now, I remember reading stories even this year, but more so in recent years past, of people in Islamic countries where it's illegal to preach the gospel. I've been reading stories of people who are, you know, having dreams about Jesus, uh, where Jesus will come to them in a dream and witness to them, and they'll come to Christ as a result of a dream that they had. So, and a lot of these supernatural acts have been happening for years, and they've been documented. But um, that's why some in Iran have been calling COVID-19 a pandemic of hope. And um, one, of, one of the guys who talked about this is a guy named Mike Ansari, who runs Moabot TV, which is one of the most popular Christian satellite channels in Iran. And he told CBN News um, in a report that was released today that Mobot TV is recording 10 times more online salvations than this time last year. They're registering around 3,000 personal decisions by Iranian mu Muslims to leave Islam for Christianity during this revival. Of course, you remember in the book of Acts, after Peter, the Apostle Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost, when they were first filled with the Holy Spirit, that um, 3,000 people were added to the church's numbers in one day. And so here we have 3,000 people each month who've decided to follow Jesus Christ since the pandemic began in March. This is in Iran. And I'm sorry I went on to say that people in Iran are just, they're not happy with the way their economy is going. They're not happy with the way the government is robbing them of their national resources. They're not happy with the way that the Iranian government has been exporting Shia Islam to neighboring countries. And so they just don't trust their government. But this large number of people that have been leaving Islam is causing a backlash against the church. Dozens of Christians have been arrested and imprisoned for responding to the gospel message since March. So the persecution hasn't stopped. And nor do we think it would. But uh, During these critical times for the Iranian regime, there's a tendency historically for um, the uh, regime to really crack down on religious communities. I apologize for the, the background noises there. But during these critical times for the regime, there's been a, a tendency historically for the regime to really crack down on religious communities like Christian converts. And of course that's happening today. Iran is Realistically, it's one of the world's most dangerous places for Christians. And yet, despite that, Christianity is growing faster in Iran than in any other country in the world. And so, you know, this is what we call, I know, I know it's been a while, but, you know, this is what we call good news. <laughs> There's so much bad news in the world. But even in the midst of all of this turmoil and panic over a virus and and all the persecution in Iran, there's good news, and it's that, as is always, has always been the case since the beginning of the church, it seems like persecution leads to more believers, not less. And it's just how God, you know, God doesn't create evil, but what he's willing to use in a fallen world to bring people to him is amazing. And um, so now I want to shift gears from what's happening in Iran and the people that have been coming to uh, Christ to a story here on our own, in our own shores here in America. This story comes out of New York. It's by the Associated Press. And um, 
that Walmart's been in the news a lot the last couple weeks, really, I guess the last maybe two weeks, last week to two weeks, because of the mask mandate. They, um, I remember a few months ago, back when COVID first hit, Walmart had talked about how they were going to make masks mandatory in the stores, but it never really became company policy. It never really became something, you know, it was like more of a recommendation than it was a strong recommendation more than it was a requirement. But now, Walmart has decided to go full bore and they, you know, Walmart, Sam's Club, they're, as of this past Monday, they are requiring masks at all their locations. And, um, so now, Walmart Incorporated has said it's making more news because they've said that they will be closing, it's, uh, Walmart will be closing its namesake, namesake stores and Sam's Clubs on Thanksgiving Day this year. And the reason they say they're doing this is because they want to have employees spend time with their families during the coronavirus. To which I would say that when so many places were shutting down, if Walmart's biggest goal was to have people spend more time with their families, then why didn't they shut down at least for a short amount of time along with everybody else. I know I've been wanting to see Walmart closed on Thanksgiving for a while. I have been to Walmart on Thanksgiving just to watch the crazy shoppers. I went one time and I would I've I've wanted to go again just to watch people act stupid when they when they go into the store there. Uh, I like to kinda sit back on the sidelines and and watch the chaos ensue. I don't really like to get involved in it too much, but I like to watch it from a, a short, safe distance. But now, this year, Walmart is going to be closing their stores on Thanksgiving Day. And the move announced, uh, they announced this move on Tuesday, and it marks the first major indication of how COVID will affect Black Friday store shopping which uh, for almost a decade is kicked off with big crowds on the on uh, Thanksgiving and expanded into Friday. So for the last 10 years or so we've we've been shopping on Thanksgiving and then those Black Friday deals go on into the next day. However, given safety concerns related to COVID-19, stores are now beginning to rethink their plans for the kickoff of uh, like the Black Friday and the Christmas season. Makes me wonder what they're going to do with the Macy's Parade this year. I wouldn't be surprised if it's totally canceled. It just really stinks. Because I like the... I, the commentators annoying me, but I really do like the Macy's Parade. So, um... I hate that that's happening, but... It is what it is. Um... Given Walmart's clout as the nation, nation's largest retailer, other major retailers could, and I would say likely will, follow its lead. Macy's CEO Jeff Gannett said earlier this month that uh, the Macy's department store will be pivoting its Black Friday business more toward online and will likely be going full force with holiday marketing right after Halloween. So they're going to be shifting more to an online paradigm. It also will be sta uh, staggering events to reduce customer traffic in the stores. Walmart also said Tuesday that it will be giving out another round of bonuses for workers on the front lines of the coronavirus. The company said that it will be doling out $300 for full-time hourly workers and $150 for part-time hourly wo and temporary workers. Um, drivers, managers, and assistant managers in stores in in Sam's Club and in like the Walmart distribution centers and the fulfillment centers that fulfill the orders and like the healthcare and wellness departments, all that, they will also receive a bonus. All of this will add up to approximately $428 million, according to this report from the Associated Press. 
the bonuses will be included in the August 20th paychecks for eligible workers that have been employed as of July 31st. So if you've been employed by Walmart um, as of July 31st, then you will receive those August 20th uh, paychecks. Um, excuse me. Um, the um, Walmart Associates work at an incredible place. They solve problems. Um, they're an amazing example for others, according to uh, CEO and President of Walmart uh, U.S. Corporate in a blog post. His name is John Ferner. And he said, to further appreciate their incredible work, we are pleased to share another special cash bonus this summer. So Walmart and others have been under increasing pressure by uh, union groups to extend bonus pay for frontline workers as surges and new cases have sp spiked in many states. And uh, so there's that. And uh, included also in this article is a list of national chains that are requiring face coverings in stores. So I do not wear a mask. I do not own a mask. I do not intend to own or wear a mask in the future. I briefly, I think I had one on for maybe a few minutes one day just to kind of see what it was like. I did not like it and do not intend to be doing it again. It's not primarily because the mask is an inconvenience or uncomfortable. I will get into a little bit more later as to why I'm not a mask fan. Um, in fact, let me go ahead and, because uh, I was asked about this earlier, a friend of mine, um, I won't mention the name in case they don't want me to, but a friend of mine earlier asked me this question and I want to try to pull it up so I can read it to you and then I will discuss my answer to it. Um, there, here it is. It said, what is your reasoning for not wearing a mask or your stance on this? As my cat Galaxy goes up and knocks Kleenexes and an umbrella down just for fun. Just to remind me that she's still alive and awake, I guess. Hi, Galaxy. Did you want some more attention? Is that what you were after? But anyway, this question came to me. It says, what is your reasoning for not wearing a mask or your stance on this? Besides the fact that we're all tired of COVID-19. Are you just trying to be a rebel? Or is it about government control you don't like? Uh, and then um, the person went on to say, I wish for this all to be over too. And pray it will be soon. And then uh, this person finished up their question by saying that mask or no mask. I believe COVID is part of Satan's work to keep us out of church and more. So here was my response. Um, here's the main reason why I have chosen not to wear a mask and why I take such a strong stand against it. The mask thing has become a cult. It's become a symbol. If you don't wear it, then, you know... You don't wear a mask, then you don't care if people get sick or die. You just don't care about people, and you don't appreciate what we do out here. And, and you don't care if, if people get sick and die. And, yeah. So, this despite all the science out there that is being suppressed, that says the cloth mask, or, that are home, and, uh, the, the cloth mask like most people wear, and the homemade face coverings are largely ineffective against COVID-19. But anytime you post a story about that on Facebook, they get their little quote-unquote fact-checkers out there. These people that act like they know everything. They act like they're the only arbiters of truth. They go out there and they say all this stuff. Or, or, or they suppress posts and then they, they quote-unquote fact-check fact -check the uh, posts with uh, a lot of false information 
or or whatever, and, or they just out and out censor posts and delete them and say, you know, and you get something that says this content isn't available right now. But th there's so much science out there, and so many doctors, so many well-known doctors, and so many uh, institutions. I mean, Stanford University, Oxford, others, all, like all almost entirely, are are have been debunking the science. Be the quote, you know, the fake science, if you will, the panic porn, as Steve Dace likes to say, behind uh, COVID 19. They've been, uh, you know, a lot of these posts have been removed or suppressed or are just ignored by people. And, <clears throat> and, Part of this is, you know, they, they talk about how the masks are ineffective. I, I posted something about the, the microns of the, of the COVID-19 virus and how no mask, including the N95, can really protect against it. But I have a feeling if I, you know, I, I don't remember exactly what it said or the, the specific details and the numbers. Um, but... I bet you if I try to look it up right now, it's going to say that this content is no longer available or that it's somehow been removed. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I just I just searched it and it's still there. Okay, this is from Dr. Scott Jensen and he, he said something. This was back on June 30th I posted this. It says that uh, one micron is 0 .001 one or let's see, tenth hundred. Let's be uh, tenth hundred thousandth. So one thousandth of a millimeter. So one micron is one thousandth of a millimeter. An N95 mask filters out ninety-five percent of particulate matter larger than 0.3 microns. A COVID particle is about 0.1 microns. So even an N95 mask has tremendous limitations against COVID-19. A surgical mask or cloth mask are only designed for particulate matter greater than 5 microns. Typical bacteria are 1 to 20 microns. The idea, this idea of people thinking that they are doing something particularly useful with a cotton mask, handkerchief, a homemade mask, or a surgical mask is just Looney Tunes, and that was the words of Dr. Scott Jensen. And um, I absolutely agree with him. That's another reason why I'm not going to do a mask because it's stupid. The only reason why someone would wear a mask after hearing this information is so that they can show to others that they care and they are more compassionate than those who don't wear a mask. And you know, that's the only re or it's either that or you're working somewhere where you're required to wear one or you lose your job, which is unfortunate that people are put in that position. And I am genuinely sorry for those of you who have been put in that position. But even if these masks were effective, to be honest with you, I have a general aversion toward anyone trying to force me to do anything and like threatening me if I don't which is basically what a mask mandate is you know, wear a mask or you don't get to do blank and then you can fill in the blank with whatever um so there's a little bit of rebellion to be honest you know there's a little bit of rebellion involved there with me in regards to why I won't wear a mask but more than that it's it's a statement that masks are stupid that's why I don't wear it because the science behind it is faulty as I just pointed out with that quote from Dr. Scott Jensen and it's based more again on what Steve Dace and the, the guys on the Steve Dace, Steve Dace show called panic porn than on real data instead of the mark of the beast I've started calling the in the mask the mark of the progressive it's the sign of ultimate allegiance to Dr. Fauci, who is one of the biggest frauds I've ever seen in my life. And Galaxy is now in the kitchen sink, I think.
And um, so, because the mask is mainly a uh, an homage to Dr. Fauci and that whole you know team lockdown narrative, um, but in spite of that, the media and far too many people on both sides of the political spectrum treat it as infallible. You know, they treat him as infallible. And it's... I mean, it's unfortunate that it's like that. It's really unfortunate that there's a lot of people in the White House who seem to treat Dr. Fauci and, to a lesser extent, Dr. Burks as infallible. And while it's true that we... I mean, we, we can't know everything. We're not God. We can't know everything about the coronavirus, COVID-19, or any virus, for that matter. We can't know everything, because we're fallible human beings. We're limited in what we can know. All that's true. There's still a lot more we can know, even though we can't know everything. But people have to be willing to take the time to look and not just take everything they're spoon-fed at face value. And that, for me, that's honestly one of the most distressing things about the response to COVID-19 for me. It's the number of people, even people I would agree with on a lot, and who have a similar worldview as I do, or at least I thought they did. I'm, I'm guessing I should say they still do. It gives them a benefit of the doubt. But they just buy whole cloth into whatever they're told. And they even try to justify their easy way out attitude using Romans 13. And that just shows a lack of understanding of Romans 13. But even when I point out what Romans 13 means in an American context, you know, they'll, they'll still go on with it just because it's easier to just go along, I guess. So you know, maybe it would be better. I'm, I'm a conservative. I'm a conservative Christian. But I'm starting to think maybe it would be better if we just had Democrats in charge. Because that's the only time conservatives and Christians seem to remember the concept of civil disobedience. And, you know, they, they seem to remember, that's the only time they seem to remember that it's not only a real thing, but it's the whole reason that the USA is a country to begin with. Uh, we seem to get a lot more accomplished when we're opposing someone than when, quote unquote, our people are in power. And again, you know, that's just that's just how the attitude toward government has uh, evolved over time. As a general rule, though, um, government is not for people. Our founders recognized this. Um, you know, most governments throughout the world throughout world history have been oppressive, and you know, I guess the, uh, that's why the Bible compares governments in the Bible to beasts talks about the four world powers uh, in uh, Daniel and it used beasts to describe them. Uh, the Antichrist who leads a world government in the last days akin to the, the attempt of the attempted Tower of Babel. The Antichrist is going to lead a world government in the last days during the tribulation. And it's um, it's um, you know he's called the beast. In Revelation, um, government—excuse <clears throat> me—government was created by God as an institution of people who were to administer His justice. The dispensation of human government began after uh, Noah's flood, and it—that dispensation typically, uh, technically, ended. Uh, at the beginning of the dispensation of promise with Abraham. But the institution of government, not the dispensation, but the institution of government has not passed away. And, and, and really it won't. Even during the millennium, uh, you know, Jesus says that there's going to be a, you know, there's going to be a world government then that's led by him, but that people are going to be ruling and reigning with him and in eternity. 
One of the rewards given in the parables of Jesus to people who were faithful was to be made rulers over cities. In other words, part of your reward is that you get to serve in civil government. And right away, some of you are probably thinking, well, gosh, I don't know if I've won any rewards now. That's the reward. I get to manage cities. I don't know if it's worth it. But trust me, it will be. With Jesus, Jesus in charge, it will be. But that's why government was set up. It was meant to be set up, you know, one, one uh, there are some passages in the Bible that refer to government leaders as ministers of God who are there to administer justice on his behalf. But all too often, they've been the opposite. And America was created as an exception to that rule of world history. That's why the Constitution limits the government's powers. But if our country's political will chooses to govern against that, the Constitution and our other founding docu documents and give various branches and levels of government this kind of this all-power attitude where we just submit to whatever they say under the guise of Romans 13, then our founding documents, as great as they are, become just worthless pieces of paper. And that's why... I don't know how many of you have been to my Facebook page, but if you, uh, I took a meme that I kept seeing, and I made it my cover photo on Facebook, and it's a picture of the uh, the founding fathers, and it says, you know, just to be clear, fellas, all this is null and void if a virus hits, <laughs> and to me that sums up people's general attitude about their freedoms here in America, in particular. So, well, you know. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, we got the First Amendment, we got the Second Amendment and all that, but we got this pandemic going on, so all that goes out the window. It seems to be the attitude of a lot of people, unfortunately. But, um, all too often, government has been the opposite of what it was created to be by God. And that's the reason for that cover photo. And we've got that verse in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, where God says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will... Let me see. I'm, I don't, I don't want to misquote that. Let me... Uh, pull this up so that I can read it directly from the scripture. Hang on one moment while I get this typed in because I wasn't intending on using this. And I'm going to read this from the uh, from the message. The message translation. And so Second Chronicles chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 says, if I ever shut off the supply of rain from the skies or order the locusts to eat the crops or send a plague on my people, we've seen plenty of that, um, my God-defined people, uh, excuse me, it says, uh, and my people, my God-defined people, respond by humbling themselves, praying, seeking my presence, and turning their backs on their wicked lives, I'll be there, ready for you. I'll listen from heaven, forgive their sins, and restore their land to health. So, what do we need to do if there's a plague? We need to be defined as God's people. We humble ourselves, we pray, we seek His presence, and we turn our backs on our wicked lives. And then God will be there for us. He said he'll listen from heaven, he'll forgive our sins and restore our land to health if we'll do those things. So, the prescription is there. It all just boils down on whether or not as a nation we're going to take it. The Second Chronicles uh, 7, 13, and 14 means the same that it meant then. If we humble ourselves, if we pray, and we seek God's face, our land will be healed. 
But that's a kind of a tall order when 70% of Americans claim to be Christians and 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview like I discussed on my last podcast. Should you remember that if you heard it? I talked about the worldview study. A majority of America's Christians are nominal at best. They're Christians because that's how they self-identify. Kind of you know, like one of those mentally ill people who think they're trapped in the wrong body because they were born as the wrong gender. In similar fashion to that, most of America's professing Christians identify as something they aren't. And those verses say that when, when it says when my people pray, when God's speaking, far fewer of us here in America are God's people than most of us realize or want to think about. So it's incumbent upon us not only to pray for revival, but to recognize that most of the wheat among us is actually tares. If you're familiar with the, the wheat and the tares uh, principle, if you're not, I recommend that you look up that parable and read it. It'd be a good refresher for what I'm talking about. Then, you know, as the hands and feet of Jesus, we need to get out there, whether that means physically or, or digitally, like I'm doing now, and get about the business of what Jesus said, making disciples of all nations. And disciples... That doesn't just mean people who said a sinner's prayer and they th now they think they have their fire insurance because they said the sinner's prayer and said some magic words. It's people who are literally following Christ and the Bible. And so, um, yes, we still have the power to turn things around. It's not too late. But to do so requires prayer, it requires action, and it takes recognition of reality. And this whole idea that, you know, St. Francis of Assisi came up with of, you know, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. You know, first of all, that's not even biblical. And second, it's certainly not what's needed for these times. So, you know, if we don't take the exit ramp to revival sooner or later we are definitely headed toward a prophesied end time scenario where America is irrelevant at best and the globalists take over that will happen I mean we can't change the events of the Bible the Antichrist will rule it's gonna happen but just because God prophesies something doesn't mean he causes it remember that God sees the end from the beginning, but that doesn't mean we are like puppets on a string and he just pulls whenever he wants. God prophesied the end based on his foreknowledge of the choices that people would make and then how he would respond to those choices. But I'm not trying to get into a Calvinism versus Armenianism debate right now. The point is America is not one nation under God. You know, I hear that. Some, some of my favorite preachers say that. They'll say, uh, America is still one nation under God. Pastor John Hagee, I love him. He says that a lot, but it's not true. Pastor Matt does too, but it's not true. America is not one nation under God anymore. I don't care what our founding was. I don't care what our money says on the back of it. We're not one nation under God anymore. We are not a Christian nation anymore, and we haven't been since before I was born. America has been coasting on the fumes of its Christian founding and early godly history from the pilgrims to about the early to mid 20th century, and we've been coasting for decades. If we look at the totality of American history, the average American over the span of 244 years, because we just celebrated our 244th birthday on July 4th of this year, the average American in that span of time has gone from a real Christian to a cultural Christian to a nominal Christian. And so the next step is like total rejection. Unless we have a time of genuine national repentance and God restores us, sort of like a fourth great, great awakening. That's what it's going to take. 
And so that's why I'm not a big fan of the mask, though. Because it's become a symbol of everything. It's become a symbol of everything that's wrong with the attitude of most Americans. And the fact that it's infected the church just it makes my stomach turn. So with that in mind, um, these are some national chains. This is not an exhaustive list exhaustive list but these are some chains national chains that are requiring face coverings in their stores uh, Starbucks is one a Starbucks mask mandate went into effect on July 15th uh, Walmart uh, I've already talked about them uh, Walmart requires masks uh, requires customers to wear face coverings at all of their stores and like Sam's Club and all and all the others uh, they're the largest retailer to introduce such a policy and uh, it's been it's proven difficult to enforce without state and federal requirements but uh, the mask mandate for Walmart um, has it started yet it st yeah, it started two days ago it started July 20th yeah Sam's Club, similar, it's uh, owned by Walmart. Uh, it's Sam's Club stores also began uh, requiring masks on July 20th, so this past Monday. Costco Wholesale Club, it's been in the news uh, in recent weeks with uh, some of their crackdowns on customers for not wearing masks. Uh, it's one of the, it was one of the first major retailers to require face coverings for their customers in all of its stores and their policy their mask policy requirement went into effect in May Best Buy is uh, the nation's largest consumer electronics chain and um, they have required all their customers to wear face coverings at all of its stores nationwide even in states and localities that don't require them to do so. So they've, they've, they've gone a step farther and said even if our state or local government doesn't require it, we do. And so Best Buy's mask mandate went into effect on July 15th. Kohl's, uh, um, the clothing store, their mask mandate went into effect on... <laughs> Usually their mask mandate went into effect on Monday. Um, Apple is requiring face coverings for all of their teams and customers. And they will provide masks to customers who don't bring their own. And their mask mandate went into effect in May. Kroger is another one. Uh, theirs start... Uh, Wednesday or today it's technically after midnight here as I'm recording this so Wednesday today the mask mandate goes into effect for all customers in all locations as the associates there continue to wear a mask as well and some good news though for those of us who are anti-mask the Dollar Tree has actually revoked its requirement for customers to wear a mask and they will only inf enforce a policy in states and, and localities where masks are required. But they have revoked their company policy, so kudos to Dollar Tree. If I, if, I'm, if I have to resort to shopping there only, I guess I might start doing that. But that'll make it hard to shop for some things. Um, Target is another one, and it doesn't surprise me, given how liberal Target is. And the fact that you can use any bathroom in Target, no matter what gender you are. But Target has joined a lot of the nation's largest retailers that require customers to wear a mask. Uh, their policy will go into effect August 1st, so the beginning of next month. More than 80% of Target's 1,800 stores already require customers to wear a mask due to local and state regulations, but Target said that it will hand out masks at entrances to those who need them. On the one hand, you know, I'm thinking, you know, if, if this will get the country open and back to complete normalcy faster, you know, 
fine, whatever. But if we're going to have, uh, like, a, eventually, if we're going to end up with some sort of national mask mandate and we still can't open the country back up, uh, no. <laughs> no. Um, July 16th, CVS, CVS uh, joined others. Uh, and then starting July 20th, this past Monday, they have a mask thing going on as well. Uh, Publix supermarkets, uh, their mask mandate kicked in yesterday or July 21st at all 1,200 of their stores. Uh, Lowe's announced it would require customers to wear face coverings when shopping in its stores on July 20th. I don't know if that applies to the Lowe's foods stores, but it definitely applies to the Lowe's uh, hardware stores. Home Depot requires uh, face coverings and masks while inside stores, and that will begin um, today. Wednesday. Uh, excuse me. I yawned again. Small children or those who have a valid medical condition will not be required to wear a mask, but everybody else will. I'd like to know how they're going to enforce that. PetSmart. Announced that all customers are required to wear masks at its stores. Same with Walgreens. Um, the mask requirement there starts July 20th. Aldi. Uh, their mask mandate will go into effect uh, on July 27th. So maybe I'll do my next shopping trip at Aldi before the mask mandate goes into effect. Uh, Marriott Hotels will require guests to wear a mask in lobbies and other public spaces starting July 27th. And that's the, again, this is not a complete list, but that's just the list up to this point, which is utterly ridiculous given that fact that I just shared about uh, mask. But should we really be surprised, I guess? I mean, this is... This is what our world has come to. Just a bunch of people that don't engage in any critical thinking. They don't really care if they lose their freedom. Uh, as long as somebody tells them there's a virus to be afraid of, they're just going to go along. But it's interesting that uh, Walmart, going back to the Thanksgiving Day thing for a minute, it's interesting that Thanksgiving, a day for which God was glorified for his bountiful provision, has now been turned into another day for a retail spike for the last decade or so. But now, all of a sudden, the world's largest company, Walmart, by revenue and the world's largest private employer, is now closing on Thanksgiving again. And that just shows that Amer another one of America's uh, idols, that being materialism, is takes another punch and you know I've been talking about uh, this um, whole thing with uh, I've been talking about this whole thing with the mask and how dumb I think it is and here's just another example of how dumb this is this is absolutely ridiculous uh, this comes from the Louder with Crowder um, website. It's by uh, Stephen Crowder. Um, it says that the masked Nazis are coming after WWE's Ric Flair for not wearing one while driving his car. So people are getting out of hand when it comes to exposing people. You know, they got the mask police out there uh, exposing people for not wearing masks. Uh, that old saying, no one likes a snitch, or snitches get stitches. But, here, you know, recently we've had uh, people confronting people, confronting others for not wearing masks. One guy, <laughs> he, he uh, took a stand against wearing masks by farting into the Costco intercom. But, um... 
Whereas snitches used to get stitches, according to this article, now uh, they trend on social media. And so one person spied on Ric Flair, the nature boy, at a Starbucks drive-thru. This was uh, tweeted by the New York Post. So you see, not only does uh, Ric Flair's wife have COVID-19, but uh, Flair, of course, is in a high-risk group because he's in his 70s. Um, he recently recorded a PSA about wearing masks. But, I mean, he's in his car. You don't need to wear a mask while you're in your car, especially if you're alone in your car. He wasn't marching the streets with tens of thousands of others and uh, he just he just drove his car to get a cup of coffee. Flair would be more at risk trying to climb the top rope according to this article from Ladder with Crowder than anything to do with COVID. You know, because climbing the top rope didn't work out so well for him. But the New York Post, the, the, the Post couldn't stop there. They also had to take photos of him walking by himself, not wearing a mask, while he drank his coffee. Was he, is he supposed to drink his coffee through the mask? He's supposed to pour the, the coffee on the mask and then as some of it soaks through, he's supposed to lick it off the mask? Is that what he's supposed to do? I mean, this, this is stupid. This is dumb. This is the epitome of dumb. It's just dumb. This whole thing is dumb. And it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to America that people not only allow this, but get on board with it. Especially people on our side. But the, you know, the, the person who wrote that article said that he would be more, Flair would be more at risk coming off the top rope than, than getting COVID while riding in his car without wearing a mask. I'd have to say that's true. You know, as the story pointed out, coming off the top rope rarely worked for him. Although, although Flair did have some limited success with coming off the top rope late in his career. You know, but that was after thousands of times of climbing the top rope only to be slammed off over and over and over and over and over again. But I digress. The point is, you know, at age 71, coming off the top rope probably isn't a good idea. It's probably a really bad idea for Ric Flair at age 71 to be coming off the top rope. But still, wearing a mask, you know, this whole thing about him not wearing a mask alone while he's alone in his car. Wearing a mask alone in your car or home, it makes about as much sense as wearing a condom to bed by yourself. It's, it's stupid. And this whole snitches get rewards mask mask police mentality needs one of those good groin shots below the belt for uh, that Flair is so famous for. You know when you punch somebody below the belt or kick them and go, woo, and and all, you know, all this stuff, whatever. Yeah, we we need to. This is just dumb. This is stupid. And I've got about a minute and a half left in this podcast. I didn't get to the Bible study today, but I will finish up the stuff that I did uh, research for uh, tomorrow. Let's see what else I had to cover for today that I might be able to get to tomorrow. I think I can... Uh, pretty much and I mean that's about the extent of the stuff that I looked up today so I probably won't uh, I don't have I've got one or two things left for today that I was gonna cover of a news related kind of thing but I um, I'm approaching the one hour mark and I try not to make these any longer than an hour um, I might be extending that in the near future but right now I'm gonna have, I've got 30 seconds left and so I appreciate you all listening today um, 
I guess we did do a little bit of Bible study because I chronicled the uh, I, I talked about the Second Chronicles seven thirteen and fourteen thing, but I wanted to get more into the Genesis study. I'll try to do that the next time. But for now, this is Steve Johnson. This is the Wisdom on Wheels podcast. I've got about ten seconds left, so God bless you. Thank you for listening. I appreciate all of you, and I look forward to being with you all again soon. Bye bye.